So if you'll take your Bible and meet me over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 on page 1214 in the Schofield Bible. What we're going to focus on today is the judgment seat of Christ because it's the next thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But we're, we're going to stop. We're going to go through eight, verses 8 through 15. I was going to see if we could go all the way through to verse 23, but there's just so many good things in verses 16 through 23 that I, I don't just want to try and cover it all in a 40-minute period. Um, we have to keep in mind, and I always like to refresh you, why 1 Corinthians was written. It was for believers that were living carnally, and Paul was addressing specific sins uh, that was going on in their ministry. Before he gets into all the specific sins, he addresses their problem with putting man's wisdom over God's wisdom, or mixing those two things together. You ever seen an ad where there's a really <laughs> fit person, and they're telling you how all the traditional things of working out never work because of this one secret ingredient that you have to pay $44.95 a month for to find out. Okay, imagine that except Bible, right? It's like, oh, there's this secret unknown ingredient to understand God's Word, and all you got to do is pay me and I'll give it to you. And then they mix in their philosophy with, with God's wisdom, and it just it doesn't gel. It's like oil and water. You can shake it up, and for a time it looks like it's gelling together, but over time these things are going to separate because they're just they're, they're opposite of one another. Man's wisdom does not seek to know the things of God, nor can it know it except revealed by the Spirit. And this is why the truth that you have all the Holy Spirit you will ever need is so important for you to know. We don't have to call the Holy Spirit down we don't have to shout and jump and holler for the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, that sounds good. I'm, I'm on my way. He is right here with you. And that was great what Freddie reminded of, uh, us of today as far as God being our Father. Well, that's just one promise. There are so many things that happen the moment that you trust in Christ. So he's talking to these carnal Christian believers. They are struggling with sin. He says, I want to talk to you spiritually. I want to talk to you about the deeper things of God, but you're not ready. You're not living the right way. You're not doing the right things. You're in this carnality and you're saying it's spirituality. They were celebrating their sin and we'll get into that much later into this series. But we covered last week verses 1 through 8, or excuse me, 1 through 7 of 1 Corinthians. And we talked about that word carnal. We talked about exactly what is causing the strife and divisions and envying. And they were beginning to lift themselves up as the source of power and authority. And then they were splitting into these different groups. We stopped in verse 8, and let's pick up there. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. You ever witness to somebody and they don't trust Christ? You ever had a chance to share the gospel with somebody, but something happens and the best that you can do is just hand out a track. Have you ever just laid a track somewhere and that's all that you could do in that, in that moment? Friend, that's called planting a seed. And I want to encourage you that not every single person that you talk to may trust in Christ. I had an email that came through on the church account 
young man, his name is Cameron. Cameron, if you're watching, welcome. But Cameron asked a great question. He said, when I witness to somebody, do they have to say something to me to prove that they're saved? It's a good question. The answer is no. A person simply needs to believe on what Jesus Christ did and they receive everlasting life. In fact, when you pay attention to uh, invitations that are given, we say raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know. I think of Louis Hernandez, who when he went to ranch over a period of time, he ended up trusting Christ. But Louis, being Louis, didn't raise his hand until months later. And that doesn't mean he got saved the moment he let somebody know. He got saved the moment that Louis believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He received the free gift of everlasting life. But some of us will plant in other people's lives. Others will come along and water what someone has already done. And then somebody may see the fruit come where someone trusts Christ. That's what's beautiful about children's ministry. It's so important that we're clear from the earliest age. I mean, even our nursery workers are so valued and important to a child understanding Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for them. So you start young and you go through. Well, those nursery workers, they're planting the seed. When you go out and you pass out a tract and you leave it somewhere or you give it to the guy in the drive-thru who you have no time to share Christ with, you are planting seeds. And I believe God rewards you for that. When you do those things for Him, He rewards you for it. But don't we have to see people trust Christ? Don't we have to have great numbers and great numerical value? Friend, I don't, I don't think that that is what equals spirituality. In fact, have you ever noticed a lot of these megachurches that have literally thousands of people that go to church don't have a clear gospel message? Numerical success does not equal spiritual success. Now, in some cases, it may. But our goal should simply be, I want to plant, I want to water. You get a chance to talk to somebody about Christ, tell them clearly. You get a chance to pray for someone, pray for them. I'm in the habit now, and I learned this from Dr. Phil Myers in college. When someone comes up to me and says, will you pray for me? I ask right there if we can pray. I do that with Stephen Whitehouse every time that he's here. Did you guys see Stephen here this morning? He's actually going back to New Hampshire, I think is where he's from. But he came up to me and asked me to pray, and I, I prayed with him. And maybe some of you have experienced a, a, a time where I pray with you right there, and I think that's important to do. But Paul is saying here, he's addressing this because he's saying it's not just one group of people that's spiritual because they see some result over another. He's saying that everyone is working together for a common goal. And if you look back in verse 7, it says, God, uh, but God that giveth the increase. Verse 8, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. They're all trying to reach somebody to get them to believe on Jesus Christ. And every man shall receive, and you should mark this, his own reward according to his labor. Now, after this, we're going to start talking about the judgment seat of Christ. So I want you to understand here, at the judgment seat of Christ, number one, it's not for unbelievers. This is for believers who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and have received eternal life. Their labor will be judged, not their sin. And we'll go into more detail on that in just a second. But the individual will receive individual rewards for what they have done. 
I also do not believe the judgment seat of Christ will be a place where there is physical scourging or shouting and yelling from God and all these different things. I think we will have a healthy fear for the Lord as we studied in Proverbs, a reverential respect for Him and His power and His authority. And we'll be in front of Jesus at that time. But I do not think this is going to be something that is filled with anger and indignation and hotness and just, no. The things that you have done will be put into two categories and we'll go into detail on that. Look at verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. We're together with one another given to us by God. The message that has been given to us has been given to us by God. So as we work in the ministry, we'll be rewarded for the things that we do individually, but we should be a collective whole speaking the same thing. And does that sound familiar? Paul said that you speak the same thing, that you not be divided, that you not have envying and strife and bitterness. Speak the same thing. What was happening in the, in the, in the church in Corinth? Speaking different things according to different groups, according to different group leaders. If you ever have a chance to look at our missionary policy, it's very strict. Because we want to make sure that all the missionaries that are supported by the money that people give to Calvary is going to people that are clear on the gospel. And they've got to line up with a lot of other things that our church believes is biblical. It's not to Calvary's standard. We believe it's to a biblical standard. But those missionaries, they're not here right now. But we're all working together with God for the same purpose about Jesus Christ. Now look at the rest of verse 9. Ye are God's husbandry. And that word means field or farm, a storehouse. This is a place where God can get something out of you. That only happens if you're a believer. Remember, the unbeliever is, is unprofitable. There is none that seeketh after God. There are none that try to do good. Jesus illustrates this point when the rich young ruler says to him, you're a good teacher. Jesus says, there's none good but God. And he's trying to uh, tell that young man, if you really think that I'm good, you recognize that I'm God. And, and he knows that he's about to say, well, I've done all these things that are required for eternal life, but he hasn't sold all that he had. He's making a point. There is none righteous, no, not one, but a believer becomes profitable. Isn't that interesting about your life? Even in your sinful condition, God can still use you. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't it a great thing that God did not require us to get cleaned up before he could use us? Boy, that illustration that Freddie mentioned today, it was powerful, it was sweet, it was potent about that illustration of checking the records and looking at the grades and looking at the disciplinarian problems. I was actually talking to uh, some of our missionaries who have adopted children, and he said that the adoption experience he had made the adoption phrase that we see in Romans 8 about you and I being adopted into the family of God so much more real. He said the judge actually took the birth certificate of that child and made a new certificate with his name as the father and the age that he would have been when the child was born was put on that record. That's so good, isn't it? It is so good. It's, it's, I mean, even our state, you know, even our, our, our government takes that adoption as, as it was. This is how it always has been. And think about it. When you trust in Jesus Christ, isn't that a great picture of eternal security? 
you're always going to be a child of God. Not from that one point on where your sin's paid for. They're all paid for. And now because of that, you can do something for God. But many people choose not to. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Continue on to the rest of the verse. Ye are God's building. Verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit because Paul had come under a lot of criticism for his message. And I like what he says here. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, and he calls himself a wise master builder. I looked this word up. I can't tell you exactly what it says in the Greek because I barely passed Greek. Bob knows that. In fact, that's why he's here tonight. But it's best understood as a chief constructor, a first constructor, an architect. Just hold your place here for a second and go to Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, specifically verses 11 through 12, Paul talks about who he got his gospel message from. There are people today, and this just blows my mind. I don't understand this, but I have heard it preached. This is on page 1242, Galatians 1, verses 11 through 12. There are people today that nullify the words of Paul because they say it doesn't line up with what Jesus taught. I don't, I don't understand that. I have had discussions with people where they, I will give them a chapter and verse, and they say, that doesn't count, that's Paul's writing. And I'm like, what would you like to do next? <laughs> How much more of the Scripture would you like to just wipe off the table? Verse 11, Paul tells you where he got his gospel message from. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Mark that. This is not Paul's idea or Paul's understanding or communication of it. It was given to him, verse 12, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ was the one who taught the gospel message to Paul. Paul then took that message and went on his missionary journeys. Isn't that good? Isn't that a great proof? So now, let that go and go back to 1 Corinthians 10. Having understood that the gospel that Paul preached to the Corinthians was from Jesus Christ, when he says in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. Who gave it to Paul? Jesus Christ. So what we're saying is, what Christ has done through Paul, he calls himself as a wise master builder. Paul was the one who went into Corinth and was the architect of their faith. He introduced them to the true gospel message. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God in the flesh, died on the, on the cross for all the sins of the world, all of you, Greeks, Jews, anyone who believe on him, receive as a gift everlasting life. This is the foundation that has been built for these Corinthian believers. Continue on in the rest in that verse. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Compare that with what we just saw in verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, 
and every man shall receive his, shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. As you build in this life, you cannot build on anything of profit. You can't be called God's field farm or husbandry or his building unless you have the foundation, which is your salvation. Now, a Baptist preacher would amen that because it rhymes. I amen that because it's true. We can do nothing without Jesus Christ first. And isn't it great that God knew all those who would believe in him? Wouldn't it be a sad thing if God chose you against your will, but he didn't choose your spouse, but he didn't choose your son, but he chose your daughter? Friend, that's not how it works. God predestined that all of those who would trust would be with him. They would be conformed to the image of his son. Still your decision. It's still your choice to believe on the Lord or to reject him. And that's the, that's the main issue. What have you done about Jesus? Now, look in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, and there's the answer. The proof that we saw proved out from Galatians 11, 1, uh, or Galatians 1, 11 through 12. You see it right here. Which is what? Jesus Christ. I laugh. Well, I don't laugh. I, I guess I chuckle a little bit when I hear, when I have heard in the past, the accusations thrown at this ministry. All they preach is the gospel. Friend, that's all we have. Okay? If we take that out and we just get real scholarly and we just get, we go so deep and for so long, we have to make sure that we are constantly reminded of why we can even serve the Lord. Why do we even have that ability? If it wasn't for Jesus Christ and Him crucified, where would we be? And if we are accused as being those gospel people, put Paul in the same category. He said, I want to know nothing more among you than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'll wear that badge. Put that on a little pin and I'll put it right here. And wear that. Gospel dude. Okay, good. The gospel opens up the Bible. It opens up our ability to understand. Remember in 1 Corinthians 2 where it says, things that are spiritually discerned have to be uh, discerned by the Spirit. The things of God have to be discerned by the Spirit. How does one get the Spirit? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look in verses 12 through 15. So remember, Paul is talking to them about not having envyings and strife and divisions, and they're getting into these different groups, and they're lifting up themselves. Now he's saying, number one, you're all going to be judged for your own labor. Number two, you're laboring together. Number three, your foundation, which I introduced you to by leading you to Christ, is Jesus Christ. And now you've got a slab, a foundation to build upon. And he's going to put these things into two categories. And this is where we receive the judgment seat of Christ. Again, not for sin. Sin has been taken care of. We're about to look at that. Verse 12. Now if, circle, any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, and if you got a little pencil, just put a line right there. That's the first set of building material. The second set is wood, hay, and stubble. You can tell that there's a transition there because one type of material will survive a fire. 
The other type of material will not survive a fire and therefore be burned up of no value. Verse 13, circle this. Every man's work shall be made manifest. You cannot cannot hide behind the success of the ministry that you're in. You cannot hide behind your money or what you have uh, accumulated of yourself or those who you attach yourself to. You will be judged according to your own labor. And that's a sobering thought. And we're going to explore that in a minute here. Every man's work shall be made manifest or revealed, made known, for the day shall declare it. I believe that day is the judgment seat of Christ. Because it shall be revealed, tried by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Is it of an unprofitable doctrine and teaching, which leads to unprofitable works, or is it of a profitable doctrine and teaching, which leads to profitable works? Look at verse 14. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a what? Reward. That reward is not eternal life. Okay, everyone there is already, has already received that. Because if we say it's eternal life, then are we saying an unbeliever could be here and also be profitable to God? Doesn't line up. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, that's the second category, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I don't think the believer is going to be burned or experience hell and outer darkness in the kingdom for a thousand years and then be brought back in. That would be like you going to your Thanksgiving meal dinner with your family. They all beat you up kick you outside for the meal, and then when the pie's ready, they bring you back in. You going to do that? No, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches, so shall we ever be with the Lord, except for the thousand years in eternal darkness for those that are undisciplined. That's called, it's a type of teaching that goes way, way far into the Bible does not say. But it's important to recognize here, your works are what are going to be judged. Here's how we are able to have good works, okay? You need to guard your thoughts. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart of man, okay? God knows why we do things. I believe if our thoughts and intents are right and we have the right teaching, when we do those works, it's profitable for the Lord, when we're lifted up in our own nature, in our own things, those things are unprofitable. Look at the teachings of the Corinthian church. It's okay to sleep with your mother-in-law. It's okay to eat gluttonously and call it the Lord's Supper and get drunk. It's okay to have divisions and envying and strife. They were glorifying in these things. Those works are going to be burned. Those things are going to be burned up. I want you to go very quickly here to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I just want to talk more about this point that our, our, our sin is taken care of. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 21, on page 1233. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 
not imputing their trespasses unto them, except at the judgment seat of Christ. That's not what it says. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Listen, the righteousness of God doesn't have a beginning date. It didn't just start one day and, and because it never was. So as God is eternal, so is his righteousness. So if you and I receive the righteousness of God, our justification is just as if we've never sinned. So when we stand before the Lord, we still have struggled with, we're going to struggle with the sin nature for all of our lives. Buckle up. You've got it. God did nothing to your sin nature when you got saved. It's still with you. He took away the penalty of sin. He put you positionally in His Son, but will still struggle with that sin. At the end of verse 21 there, it says, be made the righteousness of God in Him. Who is Him? That is Jesus Christ. So I don't think that sin is going to be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ because in the eyes of God, positionally, we're already there. Now, I don't have this verse written down for, for Paul up there, but I do want to just quickly look in Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I say that for you, but sometimes I say it for me too. <laughs> Galatians, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 1. Look over there in verse 13. Who hath, this is on page 1262, who hath, and that's talking about Jesus, Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I mean, positionally, we're already there. Okay, there's no verification process based on your works that determines if you're there or not. Friend, this is the greatest guarantee you'll ever have in your entire life. Now go back to 1 Corinthians and look in chapter 1 very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are, what? To be sanctified? Are sanctified. In who? Christ Jesus. Called saints called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both, both theirs and ours. Not only are these Corinthian believers sanctified and saints, they're also a part of the collective body of Christ. But they're carnal. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we were. And we talked about this last week. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. Are they still saved? Are they living like saved people? Are they living in the Spirit? No. But as unto what? Carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ. So when you go back to verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 3, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. You and I have a choice with the time that we have left here on earth. And this is outside of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. 
I think this is the greatest opportunity that we have. With our lives, the little time that we have left, and I, I could be wrong, but I think we're like super close. Christ is putting His shoes on. He's getting ready to come back. And what are we going to do with the remaining time that we have? And I think, exactly like Mr. Roca just said, it is preach the gospel and also know this word. You've got to know this word because you can be used in a great way for God by knowing his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us it's profitable unto doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto what? Good works. It's important to understand what God's word says. So that gold, silver, and precious stone, I believe that's profitable works from good doctrines. And wood, hand, stubble, unprofitable works from poor doctrines. I'm going to read you a little sentence here that I heard from Jameson Fawcett Brown. Though salvation be of grace purely, independent of works, the saved may have a greater or less reward according to, as he lives to and labors for Christ, more or less. See, Jesus, for some of us, is over here, okay? He's over here at the beginning of our salvation, right? Or, excuse me, at the moment of our salvation, the beginning of our walk with the Lord. And unfortunately, as we go further along, we leave him back here. We're, we revisit that, you know, it's Jesus that saved us, but we start to learn Bible truths, and they leave Christ out. This is how it should be. As you walk, so he goes with you. But he doesn't change. We move from him. He's got to be the reason why you do anything. Now, I'm not saying you go down to the absolute detail. Like I'm buying this can of Goya chickpeas to bring praise, honor, and Lord to Jesus Christ. I don't think it goes down to that deep a level. But I have these four questions here that I tend to ask myself, and it's been helpful. The first one is, how do I live my life? Do I live it in my own power, in my own talent, in my own ability, according to my own schedule? And I try to answer that question. If I see me in that answer, I remove it and put God there. I put Christ there. Number two, why do I live the way I live? Is it to bring success to myself? And you can see how... You, you may be at the center of this question. Well, I do what I do so that I can live, so that I can survive. Where is Jesus in that message? Is he the center? The center? Let me make sure you heard that right. The center, not the center. <laughs> is he the center of your life's purpose? Jesse, how do I do that? I'll tell you that. The way you do that is you, you develop a solid prayer life. There's a reason why it says pray without ceasing, because he stays on your mind. You ever uh, been on a phone call and you fell asleep and the phone was still going? And you wake up and you see that you've racked hours worth of minutes? Or the phone died after you had, you know, two hours worth of minutes going? I really do think of my conversation with the Lord that way. When I go to sleep, He's there. When I wake up, He's ready to hear me. I don't have to uh, knock on His door or call His phone and get voicemail. You know what I'm saying? He's always there. Your prayer life should be instant like that. It should be continual. It keeps you grounded. Look, Paul says that the, the flesh is very, very strong. Be careful that you are not deceiving yourself. So that third question is, 
where is God in my plans? And this is what ultimately led me to come to college. Every time that I would call Mr. Gilbert or that I would talk to Dr. Arnold, I just kept thinking to myself, all right, my plan here at Bank of America, it's not a sinful thing, but I don't see God in it. I led one person to the Lord while I was at the bank, and it took the entire time that I was there, but I've gained a great friend. His name is Errol, and we spent many conversations at Chipotle on our lunch break, and we would go and hang out after work, and we would talk about salvation. I remember the day, driving back from, from, from having lunch, going back to work, and we were arguing about salvation by works and salvation by grace, and I, we just, you know, as we normally did, it, it got a little bit heated, and I told him, Errol, you mean to tell me that you're going to be able to stand before God and put your works on the same level and goodness as Christ's blood? That doesn't make sense. Do you want to stand before God in that position? And it went quiet. But that took months. And that day, I believe he understood it, because the next conversation we had, he was telling me how he understood the gospel was by grace alone. But I knew that my, what I was doing at the bank, if I was honest with myself, was just God wasn't in it. I wasn't going to church regularly. I was Sunday morning, you know. I wasn't involved in any ministry. I had started Sunday school teaching, but I wasn't always in there. I was living life for myself. Where was God in my plans? He was three, four, five. I'm so thankful now because I went to college and got an education. I'm not saying the college gave this to me. God's word has afforded me many opportunities to stand before you now as a pastor of this church. Would have never thought that. Never would have thought that. And the fourth question is, do I possess humility? Do I possess humility? Do I think that everything that I have to say is the next greatest thing? Am I lifted up in pride in my ability to craft a message or lead? Do I go into board meetings thinking that I am the greatest piece of advice? No. Oftentimes when I go into meetings and when I talk to people, I'm telling you, I am just trying to rely on the Scripture. I really am. That's why I, I, I offer to pray with people, because I know I'm supposed to do that. That's why I share the gospel, because I know I'm supposed to do that. I've had many times where I'm on the phone with people, and I say, let's look at what the Bible says, and they say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to look at that. Here's what, here's what I think. Well, friend, what does God think? <laughs> and I see a lot of people that are struggling in life are filled with pride. They always have problems. It's never them. The mirror is always facing outward, and everyone else is the issue. You just gotta. Oh, really? That's how I looked the whole time. My wife always gets on me about trimming my beard. I don't like doing it because it doesn't grow very long, and I want those little hairs to know you can keep going if you want. Don't stop. But she's always telling me you gotta you gotta look presentable. That beard, it looks way too scruffy. And I got to go in there and I got to take care of it. There have been times where I catch a glance of myself in the mirror and I'm like, whoa, something needs to be addressed now. Some water on that or something, you know? Or, you know, you wake up late and you're running late and you still got a little sleep in your eyes, you know? You got to take care of yourself. The only way you do that is you got to look at what the issue is and then address it. Friend, that attitude of humility, I really believe it's so important to godliness in your life. Meekness, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a part of something that the Spirit produces. Just lower yourself 
Look at Jesus as the example. Let's just look at that very quickly and then we'll close. Philippians chapter 2. Bible term, kenosis of Christ. The lowering of Himself. Don't ask me to spell it. I don't know. I could though. Second, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, page 1258. Look in verse 5. The first instruction that Paul gives here is, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? When he came into the world, he's still God. He didn't think it was called robbery to be, uh, to be called equal with God. It wasn't that he was grasping for it. He knew who he was, but, verse 7, made himself of no reputation. I don't believe that Jesus, I'll say this, I don't want to say he wasn't anything special, but he wasn't this great popular kid. You know what I'm saying? I believe he was without sin, but he wasn't drawing attention to himself. I believe even when he began his ministry, this guy, is that a Galilee? You realize that? Is that a Nazareth? This is not anything good come out of there? Man, what an example. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, he lowered himself in that position to a servant. Oh no, I'll do anything but that. Uh-oh. How many times have we said that? How many times has that been our attitude? Oh, we're here, we're doing it, but on the inside... Man, do they really know what kind of talent I have? They're always asking me to do this, and others don't... Mm-mm-mm. Careful. Verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedience, specifically unto death, even the death of the cross. Now look where Jesus is going to be, okay? Wherefore God also hath highly exalted who? Him. I think your life should do the same thing. Highly exalt Him. And given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of your name? Mm Mm-mm. At the name of Jesus, I can't wait to be here when this happens. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue, you imagine that? Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God, the Father. This is the attitude that we should possess. And I believe as you possess this attitude and live through it, you humble yourself and you do what we talked about, I think that you will be building up gold, silver, precious stones. I remember as a kid, I always thought, what are those things, right? Like, what's the exact thing that I can do? I'm still trying to learn and understand this passage. But I think if we look to Christ as our example, that's good. That's a good thing. It's a good practice. But if we don't know about Jesus... If we don't understand the, thing, the, understand the things that He taught, if we don't know His Word, how profitable are we going to be? The song we sang today, uh, Near the Cross, it's a beautiful reminder of how close that cross should be to you and me. 
every day, we should be thankful for it. I've heard it described as the gospel should be as good and as fresh as your favorite food. It's a, it's a cute illustration, but it should be your lifeline, not just simply a refresher. And just be encouraged that your sin is paid for. You ever thought about that, the reality of hell? And how it's all done, it's all paid for? As Freddie Coyle would say, is that good? That's good. I thought about doing this and I, I didn't do it. But I was going to put a little, you saw his picture up there, I was going to put a little speech bubble off to the side that said, is that good? But I thought, I don't want that up there the whole message. And then I thought, is there some way where I can make a slide where it has it so when he says it, it pops up and then I can go back to the original slide and it goes away. And I thought, Jesse, just make the slide. Be simple. Be an adult. <laughs> I want to share with you the gospel message. This is the greatest news in all the world for mankind. And it's free. Free for us. It costs Jesus' life, but it costs us nothing. We simply have to believe this message. This hand represents you and me, and my wallet represents sin. This hand represents Jesus Christ. We all have sin. It separates us from God. Jesus was fully God. Didn't He had no sin, fully God and fully man. John 3.16 is illustrated in this way. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, as Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him. There's no works in that message. Works cannot, will not save you, ever. That whosoever believeth in Him, I move that sin over to Jesus. He was buried, He rose again three days later. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can know. That's the name of that video on the YouTube channel with our gospel illustration with the hands. Can I know I'm going to heaven? The answer is a resounding and confident, yes, you can know. And the way you can know is by what the Bible says, whosoever believeth should never perish, but have everlasting life. Believeth what? Believe on Lord Jesus Christ, that He was the one who died for your sins, that He rose again from the dead. Listen, Jesus says He's going to prepare a place for us. I don't hear, I don't know. I don't know if the construction's still going on. You know, are they, are they sweeping out the houses because they're finished? And it's time for us to come on up? Guys, I don't know how close we are. But let me tell you, whether it's the rapture or death, we have an appointment. And it's a good appointment. It's a reunion. Y'all like going to suppers and feasts and eating? Oh, I can't wait. There's going to be 12 different kind of fruits in heaven and a stream that clear. I was reading that in Revelation 22 the other day, and I was like, what kind of fruit? What's it going to taste like? What's it going to look like? And then I was overwhelmed with the thought of, whatever it is, I'll be there. You'll be there. The Bible says that we will be shining like the, the sun. There will be no need for light. Yeah. Sign me up for that. You've got to believe first. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? And if you have, how are you doing? I know we're doing a study on 1 Corinthians. But isn't it good as we go verse by verse that there's so much you can learn, so much application, one interpretation, but many different applications? I'm blessed for this book. I'm blessed that God made it easy for a simple boy like me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm looking around here tonight, and I, I know that each one of you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. Uh, for those of you who are on our live stream, maybe you're watching this later. 
Maybe a friend sent it to you and you finally have some time to look at it. Friend, I want to ask you the question, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? You can know. All you have to do is simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for your sin, rose again from the dead. And He gives you as a gift everlasting life. And that means when you die, you'll go straight to heaven. There's nothing you have to do to keep it. Nothing you can do to earn it. Just simply believe. If you're believing for the first time, we want to rejoice with you. If you're watching on our website, there's a little button there that says, yes, I have trusted Christ as my Savior. Click that. It just lets us know. If you're watching on Facebook or any other type of streaming service like YouTube, write in the comment section, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we would definitely like to rejoice with you. Friend, our attitude is so important. It's so important to recognize Scripture and how it all flows together. It doesn't contradict itself, and it's given to us by God. I want to encourage you to continue studying God's Word. Pray for this ministry. Pray for your opportunities and be willing to utilize those opportunities to bring people to Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We are in an attitude of thankfulness. We thank you for Paul, what you did in Paul's life, how we can look at that, read it, and study it. We thank you so much for the gospel message. Thank you for your grace, for the discipline that you show us, for the love that you have for us. Father, our world is in turmoil right now, specifically our nation. I pray that there would be great healing on a spiritual level, that people would be motivated to search out the real answers. Why are we here? When's it going to all end? And I pray that people would find clear Bible teaching ministries that have made the gospel a priority. I pray that all of us would be reminded as we have opportunity to share that good gospel message. Bless all the aspects of this ministry, Lord, our teachers, our staff, our internet presence, and our physical presence. Be with us, Lord. We know that you are, and we thank you for it. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.